this city, there's crime on every street. But one man has seen enough. He's Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. He's a good cop who's having a bad day. His best friend... Oh, everyone should have a friend like you. ...is in a coma. As soon as Nordberg is better, he's welcome back at police squad. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. Well, I told... I, like... There's a, I have a friend at work who wanted to Facebook friend me, and I'm like, no, you, I do not, I am not allowed to connect on social media with anyone for whom I work, who works for the same company as I do. Like that, just you're not allowed. Happen. Who says you're not allowed? You? I say that it's my rule, uh. and so I, so and literally, I have left a company and friended a person afterwards because. I could sure and then that person came to work at the new company where and I unfriended them <laughs> like that's literally how strict I do this I unfriend and refriend people when they don't when they do or don't work with me that's great and you should because they will know if you're playing hooky or I mean first of all you and I don't post much about our personal lives really no so, yeah yeah there's I no used way. to but not anymore yeah, but yeah. there's no way that, you know, people would know. But I still don't want them to see me when I'm being silly. That's not my work persona. No. I did tell, a, and the only reason I, I told her is because she is um, leaving the company, but I did tell a coworker about the podcast. Um, oh, hi, coworker, and, if you're and, listening. Y- yes, and... and uh, <laughs> And the reason I told her was because the topic of Gary Marshall's New Year's Eve came up and she said, I always cry when I see that movie and Halle Berry is talking to her husband overseas. And I'm like, oh, you should listen to my podcast. (laughs) We shit on that movie the entire time, Tony. Sure enough, she goes in and it's just the two of us being like, what if there was a second 9-11 and it killed all these people? Hey everybody, welcome back to Probably Should Have Known Better, celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly. My name is Tony Ginocchio, uh, and let me tell you something about my co-host. Look, when she sees five weirdos in togas in Griffith Park stabbing a man to death in broad daylight, she shoots the bastards. That's her policy. It's Nadia Vasquez. Bang, bang, motherfucker. (laughs) Wait, now I'm worried that we watched different movies. What movie did you watch? The Naked Gun from the, the Files of Police Squad. Yeah, we watched the same thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's just so many open- of those movies. There's three of them. Uh, the opening scene is in Beirut, right? Yes. Like, okay, good. Okay, watched- good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You just apparently missed the Shakespeare in the Park joke that Nancy Marchand tells, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> folks, I we're did. watching The Naked Gun today. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a strong start. 
Uh, no, we're watching The Naked Gun today, uh, from 1998, sorry, 1988, pardon me, directed by David Zucker, uh, from the legendary comedy team of Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. Nadia, here's what I'm gonna say, if I, <laughs> if you were, like, Tony, what are, your, like, your ten favorite gags? Like, what are, like, your ten favorite jokes you've ever seen in a movie? Uh-huh. Like, probably, probably eight of them are from this one. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many good ones. I really miss when movies were this silly. It 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 is one of the sillier movies. And like you're like, but you guys said Mr. Deeds was silly. Yeah, but Mr. Deeds at the end has a scene where like, you know, there's a message and the good guys win <laughs> and stuff like that. And yeah. like the the final shot of this movie is a guy rocketing out of a wheelchair. <laughs> um in in the angel stadium flying out and doing a triple backflip and landing on the baseball diamond um and it's not just any guy it's a legend it's not just any guy (laughs) (laughs) which i'm sure is very cathartic for a lot of people to see so that kind of brings us to my next point which is as funny a movie as this is, and, and as, I would argue, formative a movie as this was to my personal sense of humor, <laughs> there are kind of two big things that jump out at you right away. The first is that the main plot line is it's about a plot to assassinate Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> she was already dead. <laughs> right. And then the second thing is uh, when you look at the cast list. And this movie stars uh, Leslie Nielsen, who, of course, was a partner with the Zucker Abrams and Zucker team for many years. Priscilla Presley, Ricardo Montalban, George Kennedy, the full rosters of the Anaheim Angels and Seattle (laughs) Mariners. uh, And in the role of a lifetime, a man who is definitely not guilty of being a bad comedic actor. (laughs) oj simpson (laughs) you had me going there pal oh wow uh so i don't know i love this movie nadia but there are parts of it that uh certainly hit different which i guess is Mm -hmm. the point of the podcast Mm -hmm. uh this was i believe also a staple of your childhood it sure was my dad's a really big leslie nielsen fan so i grew up watching a lot of these this one an airplane basically yeah. on loop all the time right and airplane obviously same writers same director uh more famous but but both both airplane and first naked gun were enormous hits um and just both based on the premise of we're going to take leslie nielsen who before airplane was like a soap opera actor like a serious <laughs> Like, a lot of gravitas. We're just going to take all these serious actors. Like, Frank Kennedy won an Oscar for Cool Hand Luke. Or, sorry, uh, George Kennedy, pardon me, won an Oscar for Cool Hand Luke. Nancy Marchand was in The Sopranos. Like, all these serious dramatic actors. It's like, we're going to make them say the silliest things. (laughs) It's really amazing. (laughs) And Leslie Nielsen, his entire career changed because of Airplane. And, uh, and he never, and he loved it and he never looked back and his tombstone literally says, let her rip, which is a fart joke from one of his movies. And <laughs> may he rest in uh, peace. 
rest in peace. He's a personal hero of mine. Uh, and I think a very good match for the material in this film uh, where he has to play like a detective and deliver all this hard-boiled like noir uh, narration and dialogue and just make it absurd. So, uh, Nadia, you want to take a swing at the plot? Yeah, so... Leslie Nielsen plays Detective Frank Drebin and his partner on some sort of clandestine like mission of some sort gets shot by a bunch of guys and falls into some water and the assistant his I'm mean, sorry his partner is OJ Simpson. Yes. So with Norbert, him getting his character's name, yes. Yeah, and him getting shot a lot of times slightly cathartic. But anyway, <laughs> he he was undercover to figure out something about cocaine. I'm not sure. This doesn't lead anywhere because eventually the main plot point is that there is a plot to assassinate the queen while she's on a visit to the United States. And there is one very obvious suspect named Vincent Ludwig, who's a businessman. And he has developed this hypnotic device to turn other people into murderers. And it's not explained how... At all. Yeah, it, it just, yeah <laughs> he, he clicks like a car, like a car unlock button, basically. And and, and he can somebody and basically hits a radio transceiver in that person's watch and they turn into a mindless assassin. Yes. Even though baseball players who don't wear watches have that happen to them, too. I don't know. Well, Reggie, Reggie Jackson is an outfielder. He was wearing a watch. <laughs> okay, so he, so while this is going on, he also falls in love with Ludwig's assistant, who is played by Elvis Presley's daughter, Priscilla, who's a, just a dog shit actress. May she rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she inevitably helps him solve the case. We do have a really fun scene that's supposedly in the Angel Stadium, but it's actually in Dodger Stadium. Fun fact. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, the outside. But they they did get they did get the real Angels and Mariners all to be in the movie. <laughs> yes, they did. The outside <laughs> shot of the establishing shot of the stadium is there, but I've been there and that stadium is just absolutely terrible. So when they were playing inside, I was like, "Wait, this looks like Dodger Stadium." And it was. So, eh, yeah. I looked it up. Anyway, the the whole thing is just a bunch of comedic sketches kind of all put together, but it's just so brilliant and silly. And I think probably one of the best movies we watch for the pod. What one of the just straight up laugh out loud funniest for oh, yeah. sure. Because just funny. and let me be, let me be clear when we say it's funny, we don't mean there's like witty turns of phrase and shit like that. Like one of the best gags is Frank where is wearing a lav microphone and he <laughs> forgets to turn it off and he just goes to the bathroom and pisses for like five minutes. <laughs> And the entire press conference where they're talking about the security detail for the Queen just has to listen to Frank pissing and going, for so long. It's so, just so the, the dumbest, lowbrowest humor. Just every every throwaway line is just... When Frank is ta it picks up Priscilla Presley, he's like, can I take you to dinner? I know a place that serves great Viking food. Like, it's just... <laughs> I uh, I hesitate to say that it would be dumb humor because it's not. I feel like it's so smart, but it it skews so silly that it turns dumb. It, 
it's the same thing Lonely Island does, where you just make it yes! so aggressively dumb that it it comes back around. And yes, it's that smart is exactly again. what I was thinking. I was like, what do we have now? I like, I wouldn't even necessarily consider, you know, Austin Powers or anything like that, even come close to this. But so, I do think I'm the Lonely you- Island does. I'm glad you brought that up because I did recently rewatch the first Austin Powers while I was rocking Breadstick to sleep. Uh-huh. And like Austin Powers is the first Austin Powers is 90 minutes long. Um, but half the gags in it are like just something going on too long. <laughs> like, yes. And when when you do that, you're like, it's like, you know, Dr. Evil laughs and laughs and laughs for too long. Or Austin Powers pees when he gets unfrozen and he pisses and pisses. A lot of piss jokes here. Uh, Pisses and pisses and pisses for too long. Like, that's like half the jokes. And, like, when that's half the jokes in a 90-minute movie, you're like, okay, how much material actually do we have here? Yes. That said, I said eight out of my ten favorite gags come from the Naked Gun. One of my ten favorite gags is Austin Powers trying to do the three-point turn in the <laughs> golf cart. <laughs> no, that's right. That's a good one. That is really good. <laughs> He's like, I'll go get help. And it just keeps backing up. <laughs> What's the last um, one? Uh, it might also be from the first Austin Powers <laughs> That's like you're a liar. It's two of them. I think I I think it's when he's in the bathroom and the Irish guy is choking him with the charm bracelet and Austin Powers is fighting him and grunting him and the man in the stall next to him is like, It's okay, man, we'll get through this and then Austin is screaming at the Irish guy because he's also met the other henchman number two and he's like, Who does number two work for? Who does number two work for? And the guy next to him is like, That's right, you show that turd who's boss. That is one of my favorite gags of all time. That's pretty good. I, I would um, say if one of my favorite gags of like a silly movie is the cool beans scene from Hot Rod. Well, yes, because it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, I feel like uh, this is obviously... Cool be- sorry, cool beans, cool beans, and then Ebenezer Scrooge showing up at the end, I think, is oh, the yeah. other one. <laughs> Not Hot Rod. That's really good. A Christmas goose for everyone. I really, I miss, obviously, you know, Judd Apatow and his three-hour movies really kind of took over comedy, but I really miss when they were this silly and ridiculous and short. It was so pleasant. So pleasant to be done at a minute and 25. I mean, I'm sorry, hour and 25. Hour 25. Now, I'm going to bum you out here. They are trying to reboot this. No. Um, Which... I don't I don't think they should do at all cuz like I don't no. think there's a way to do this without Leslie Nielsen. Like No. I, I, I'm sorry. There's but also this no is, this... replacement. Like who who has who who, who could do, do that? that? Now, uh to bum you out further, but then I'm going to pick you up again, okay? So I'm going to okay, bum okay. you out, then I'm going to pick you up. Okay. 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 Producing producing is Seth MacFarlane. Oh god. Okay, here it comes, though. Here it comes. I'm going to pick you up. Attached to direct, Akiva Schaefer. <gasps> Akiva? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I yeah, feel okay, like right? I, so you don't, I, you don't know how to feel. <laughs> I, fell, I fell so hard down that when I came back up, I went to neutral. <laughs> I'm at, wow. I'm at, I have no feelings about it at all. <laughs> Okay, it's, a, it's like you didn't tell me. Um, yes, it okay, was a net positive so, uh, thing. 
I think we did 1988 before, right? With Big. Was Big we did. 1988. Yes. Okay. What do you got? What do you got for me on 1988? Well, there was an o- the opening scene of this movie. There were a lot of world yes. leaders that we'll talk about. So I was like, I really went into more pop culture 1988. So let's look at kind of the financial world, the business world, the you know, everything else that was going on. So uh, yeah. 1988, I just want to remind you guys, I was born that year. So it was probably the most important year there ever was. <laughs> so take that to the bank. Okay. So the average cost of a house in 1988 was $91,000. Well, that fucking blows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more. The average income per year for the United States was $24,000. The average oh, wow. monthly rent was four twenty. Blaze it. Okay, that fucking sucks again. Okay. <laughs> the average price for a new car was ten grand, and one gallon of gas was ninety one cents. Oh my goodness. Yep. The uh, oh. an average movie ticket was three dollars and fifty cents, and a dozen eggs cost sixty five cents. I paid eight dollars for eggs. eggs the other day. Yeah, eggs are. Eggs are a problem. Well, I was just flabbergasted with just, I mean, the average cost of a house, $91,000. Yeah, 91000 is insane. Insane. And it's, I'm guessing that's for, like, an actual house that isn't, like, a condo. Yeah, it's for an actual house. It, I, yeah. I can't even fathom. Anyway, I'm going to continue on before we kill ourselves. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> During March of 1988, four men, including some motherfucker named Poindexter, (laughs) were indicted by a grand jury on charges of conspiracy to defraud the United States government for their involvement in the Iran-Contra affair, which was Uh this uh, illegal sale of arms to Iran in exchange for U.S. hostages that were held in Lebanon by Iranian terrorists. So apparently the money from these arms sales were going to be used to fund aid to the Contras, which were a Nicaraguan rebel group that the the CIA was doing. So listen, the call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) You know, we talked about in the last episode how when I was growing up, I wanted to be in the CIA. Yes. That was a mistake. Like, (laughs) I'll own that. I was a child. I was stupid. The CIA is bad. (laughs) Yeah, not only that, but people in the Reagan administration were also indicted. So, yeah, really, really. Deep and then in later there. pardoned, I believe, if I remember yes. correctly. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was also uh, the INF Treaty, which is the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, and this was negotiated between Reagan and Gorbachev, and uh, eventually signed. Uh, the year before, but it was like put into place on in '88, mm-hmm. and it mandated that the USSR and the United States eliminate all short-range and intermediate-range nuclear and conventional missiles. So, okay. th- all of the bullshit that we're still worried about was still happening back then. But yeah, I was about to say, did that didn't happen? To be clear, right? No. <laughs> okay. Did not. Uh, there was a war in Iran with Iraq, and it ended. Uh, after eight years in 1988, and something interesting came about in 1988 <laughs> in the United States. A new drug called crack. Is it a coincidence that it was during the Reagan administration? Hmm. I think we all know the answer to that. I think we all know the answer to that. 
uh, which yes. is, yes, I mean, we, it's just coincidences happen, and, you know, it's a shame that it just shook out the way it did. <laughs> so. Horrible, just horrible stuff. Uh, Reagan was probably one of the worst, if not the worst president, but I don't know. Now I'm thinking, I well, don't know. By to be fair, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in retrospect, maybe, maybe, maybe top not. three now, but... Um, but to be <laughs> fair, by 1988, by 1988, he didn't know he was president anymore. And I think that, you know, we have to kind of let some things slide. Yeah, kind of like Joe Biden's America. <laughs> yes. Ah! Uh, we're in Reagan's 11th term. Well, um, I feel like we have a good segue into the opening scene then. We sure do. Yeah, so we open in Beirut. A great band, Where, by the way. Did you ever listen to Beirut? Yes. It was They were really popular when we were in college. Uh, No, I did not. Oh, check them out. <laughs> okay, I'll get into it. I mean, you got me into MCR, so I feel like, you know, we'll get, we'll get into Beirut I mean, Beirut it's not next. nowhere near the same at all, but the, yeah, sure. The mythology, The myth- does Beirut have prequel comics to some of their albums? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called The, the City of Beirut. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So we open in Beirut where all of the enemies of America in 1988 (laughs) have gathered. So Ayatollah Khamenei's there. uh, Gaddafi, Idi Amin is there. um, Gorbachev is there. I have the Americans thinking I'm a nice guy. Um, So all these, all these, and, and it's like every other scene in the movie, just absurdly over the top, right? And just like, it is finally time to show that America is weak and ripe for conquest. And then, of course, immediately, you know, Khomeini is punched by the guy holding his teapot, rips off his hood, and it's Frank Drebin as the patriotic music starts playing. It's awesome because he kicks their ass with a hump on his back. Yeah, it's just, just most just absurd fight scene. He's like speed bagging Idi Amin's head, like he put he punches Khomeini and his turban comes off, and he has an orange mohawk under it, like just. Yeah, and he gets Gorbachev just, in a headlock, and then wipes off his birthmark and is like, "I the, knew it, I knew it." Just the dumbest shit. Uh, And it's wonderful. The inspirational music's playing. And then, you know, it it ends with them going, who are you? And he says, I'm Lieutenant Frank Drebin of the police squad. Don't ever let me catch you in America. And then immediately, like, gets whacked in the face by the door. (laughs) I think it's so funny that he did all of this and then just leaves. Like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so we throw to the opening credits, which is just, and they do this, I think, in all three movies, um, which is just the siren on the police car driving down the street and then driving through a series of increasingly absurd places on a roller coaster <laughs> in a women's locker room. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I really, mi- I don't miss the older movies where the t- the credits are kind of in the front end of the movie and it's like all right can we get to yeah. the movie but i could have watched probably an hour of that it's really good you put you put gags in the credits i love it you know who did opening credits in the movies that uh i'm kind of glad they don't now is disney with their old cartoons oh, like yeah. when uh when meatball and i watched sword in the stone i had to be like okay it's gonna start any minute now <laughs> sweetie <laughs> <laughs> she's um, like what is this garbage 
She liked it. She liked that Merlin's beard kept getting tangled up and stuff. Um, oh. And so she she didn't have the same appreciation for, like, Archimedes, the sassy gay owl uh, that I did, I think. But uh, but she liked it. Uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we cut we cut to um, the docks. It's the dead of night. Uh, and another Nothing good happens lieutenant. on the docks. Nothing good no. ever happens on the docks. <laughs> another police lieutenant played by star running back for the San Francisco 49ers, O.J. Simpson, uh, sneaks up and he, you know, basically has the place bugged and he hears that there's a heroin deal going down on this boat called the, the I Love You. L-U-V. Like internet slang. Yes. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I was just thinking about, I forgot that he played for the 49ers. So when you said that, I like went into my brain and I was like, did he play for the 49ers? That's so fucked oh, up. Oh yeah. He played, he played for the Bills and then he moved to San Francisco. He played for the 49ers. Yeah. And then oh he God. was at his, he did, col- he played college ball at USC, won the Heisman there. I know a lot of uh, OJ Simpson trivia. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh my God. Do you know if he did it? Uh, I, I, I don't think he thinks he did it. (laughs) What do you think he thinks he did? I think he, I, I, so personally, if you want my, guys, if we're getting into my OJ theories, I think it was a crime of passion. I think he basically like blacked out or was like in a fugue state and he, and he murdered them. I, I think he definitely did it because his fucking dna is at the crime scene (laughs) and the and the jury like didn't piece that together somehow but also dna evidence was fairly new so i don't think anybody like fully understood like how obvious it was like oh no that was him (laughs) there stabbing them to death uh but uh in any event i don't think he thinks he did it um, we'll, we'll, uh, cover more about his post naked gun career <laughs> later in the episode. Okay. Sweet, sweet. His career. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he's on yep. the docks and he shows up by himself, no backup at all and runs into a, uh, he's about to kick down the door, but instead of kicking down the door, <laughs> his leg just goes through the door, which is just a beautiful gag. Cause I can't again, help all the build up team. to this. All the build-up to, like, oh, the suspenseful music builds perfectly. Him sneaking up to the door is perfect. It is exactly in keeping with the conventions of the genre. And then he just kicks a hole in the door and his foot gets stuck. <laughs> and then his hand pops in through the hole that he made through his, with his pants, with his leg, and he opens the door from the inside. It's just so great. And he finally comes inside, and there's a bunch of guys there. They, you know flash their guns they've already pulled their guns out yeah everyone's pointing guns at each other and he's like police drop those guns and only one guy does it and then one guy does like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) so it's so strong these gags are so strong already they shoot him a bunch of times (laughs) and then the the brilliant the the brilliance of this gag is he keeps getting injured in de-escalating ways like it keeps <laughs> you're supposed to heighten but they do it in reverse order. so he gets shot like 18 times in the chest 
and then like he burns his hand on the stove and then he gets his arm slammed and he stumbles over he gets his arm slammed in the window and then he sticks his hand in like a wedding cake by mistake and he's like oh man (laughs) and he leans on a wet paint door a door with wet wet paint paint. (laughs) so good and then eventually he falls off the ship and uh and it cuts away we don't know what happened to him we're we're worried for OJ Simpson, beloved football player. <laughs> beloved football player. One of the and legitimately one of the first black athletes to become a media superstar. Like mm-hmm. one of the first black athletes to get in like real endorsement deals. Like when he was doing commercials for Hertz Renicar, that was like a big deal. Uh and that's not really what we remember about him now, but it no. was a big deal. And Hertz Renicar is a big deal because their spokesman have been at different times O.J. Simpson and Jeff Dunham. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was so I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> oh, Jeff. Dunham O.J. And Simpson all. and Jeff Dunham, two equally good people, and so. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but eventually we don't really know what happens to O.J. until we meet. Uh, Detective Drebin, who was played by N- Leslie yeah. Nielsen, and he is yeah. the coolest guy. Yeah, they immediately set lands, him up to be a really cool dude. <laughs> lands on, lands at LAX. Uh, comes comes onto the tarmac and walks right up to the press. The um podium where all the press are waiting because you know he's he's beating up all these villains. He's like, yeah, I know you're all here to see me, but. His wife has left him, and he's just devastated, and he's like, don't you, you, I'm not a hero, you shouldn't listen to me, don't you know how a man can hurt inside? (laughs) No, they're not there for you, Uh, they're here for Weird Al. (laughs) Yeah, Weird Al Al Yankovic is also on that plane. Cut to a cameo from Weird Al. Weird Al, it's just there. I haven't seen his movie yet, have you seen it? UHF, yeah, yeah, it's real cute. It's okay. very good. Okay. I'll check yeah, it it's it's very cute. Um, uh, the other, much like how O.J. Simpson is the second build actor here, the second build actor on UHF is Michael Richards. <laughs> and so. Oh. It's. I'm talking about the Daniel Radcliffe movie. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, Michael Richards isn't in that one. Um, <laughs> I can like... see if he's been. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. I actually, I actually haven't seen uh, the Daniel Radcliffe one either. I, I want to. So uh, okay, well, we're gonna have to watch both of them. We'll do that. Yes. Okay. But UHF anyway. is very cute. Um, okay. Okay. So we'll. I'll cut all that. Anyway, so we're going <laughs> fix on the plane. Um, you know, George Kennedy plays Frank's boss. He's driving him home. He's like, Yeah, no, your your wife, she's gone, Frank. It's the uh, only thing I know about the man she's with now is that he's an Olympic gymnast and it's the best sex she's ever had. <laughs> yes, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm just so devastated. Everything that I see reminds <laughs> me of her. And it's <laughs> it, it pans to those two orbs in San Diego that look like boobs. Yes. Like, where are they in these in this movie? They're in so many different locations. <laughs> it's, it's obviously, like, supposed to be set in L.A., but they kind of just go wherever, which is probably <laughs> deliberate. Um, so Yes, I think that's where that uh, meme comes from. Everything I do, everything yes. I 
see reminds me of her and it's the boobies and uh they eventually end up in at the police station where they're informed that his partner was oh no wait just they go straight to the hospital they yes, go to see nordberg because they're like yeah it's thankfully he's been shot 28 times thankfully the bullets missed every vital organ <laughs> he, he has a 50 50 chance of making it but there's a 10 percent chance of that <laughs> just so they go there they go to the hospital his wife is there she's like just beside herself right and yeah. just frank is saying all of the worst possible things like, who could have done this like could have been anybody could have been somebody that he put in jail with a grudge. Could have been a jealous husband. Could have been a gay lover. <laughs> she's just <laughs> falling apart. Yeah, she's falling apart. She has snot all over his jacket. It's just gag after gag after gag. And uh, he vows to the wife that he's going to find out who did this. <laughs> so the other thing is, OJ is like, he's not fully awake from his coma, but he's like trying, he can like, mutter a couple things so he's like trying to tell frank what's happening i said frank love you because he's saying the name of the boat frank's like i i love you too nordberg when this is done we'll go sailing together just like the old days and just and you know nordberg's like drugs and drugs frank's like nurse did you hear him this man wants drugs get him drugs which is a cute gag and then oj grabs like no heroin frank heroin and a funny response would have been for Frank to be like, oh, my God, I'm not getting you heroin. But instead goes for the funnier response, which is, listen, Nordberg, that's a pretty tall order. You're going to have to give me a couple days on that one. <laughs> it's truly so good. Like, there's not a minute where they let anything rest. It's so fun and so silly. No. Just top to so bottom. So rapid fire. It's incredible. And I just want- yes. <clears throat> I just oh, want ahead. you to know your husband your husband will always be welcome on the force. Unless he's a drooling vegetable, but that's really just common sense. Ah, that it's just so good. And eventually they they really want to figure out what he was doing down in the docks anyway. Because he didn't go for any right. backup. He didn't tell anyone where he was going, so he needs to go down to investigate at the docks. And thus begins my favorite bit of the whole movie. <laughs> which goes <laughs> up to a guy who looks like Kendall Roy and is like <laughs> I need some information. The guy's like, how much is it to you? He gives him 20 bucks. And then he like, gives My memory's him still a little hazy. Gives yeah. him another 20 bucks. And he's yeah. like, why do you want to know? And then Leslie Nielsen says, what's it to you? And the guy gives him back the 20 bucks. <laughs> the same $20. <laughs> Just keep, Just keep handing the bills back and forth. What, that is really one of my favorite gags. It's so funny. It was funny when I was 12. It's funny now. Incredible. At the end, Incredible. he's like, what, what's it worth to you? And the guy's out of bills. He's like, uh, can you spot me a 20? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyways, we, we don't get a ton of answers. In fact, the, um, the doc got Kendall Roy set, which by the way, I haven't watched Succession yet either. It's on my list. I want to do it Ooh, soon okay. because the new season's starting and I understand that the show has a woman with a big ass in it. Uh-huh. Uh, so I want to see that. So and my friend, one of my, my, my college roommate, actually, we were talking about this woman's ass for like half an hour over the phone one time. And I got mail that I didn't, I didn't, there was no return address and it was just an ass. And I was like, so, it, like, whose ass is this? Like, what, 
Like, I'm kind of freaked out. Oh, that's Chivroy's ass. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, I was like kind of freaked out. I was like, I don't really know. So I, I texted her. I was like, dude, somebody sent me a, like a sticker of an ass. And she's like, yeah, that was me. It's Chivroy's ass. <laughs> like, it's never really great to find mail that like has no return address and like has an right. ass in there. But like, <laughs> it got a little scary. At that time it was okay. It was okay. It was okay. Uh, so. So, anyways, I, I am interested in learning more about that. So, uh, the next scene <laughs> is the press conference uh, where they announce that Queen Elizabeth II is coming to town and police squad, Drebin's unit, is going to be in charge of her security. And I already talked about the piss gag, which is later in the scene, but my other favorite line from this scene which I think holds up very well today is Leslie Nielsen going up to the microphone and saying, police squad is honored to uh, take on the responsibility of defending, uh, of uh, protecting the queen during her visit to Los Angeles. No matter how ridiculous the idea of having a queen may seem to us here in America, we are happy to take on the job. It cuts to the mayor who's like horrified. Still is ridiculous. Uh, Especially yeah. that England has to pay a billion dollars in their with their taxes to pay for King What's His Nuts's coronation. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> maybe maybe this new naked gun is gonna be about the assassination of King Charles. And Charles the Third. Yeah. By Ellen DeGeneres. Yes. <laughs> I agree. So <laughs> Uh, okay, so, uh, what happened? Oh, next he visits, uh, Ricardo Montalban, right? He sure does. Ricardo Montalban is a Mr. Ludwig. He is so charismatic and rich, and he collects expensive things and lives in a very (laughs) elegant, uh, is it his apartment and his office? Yeah, like a penthouse. Yeah. He's just so elegant, yeah. and he has uh, exotic fish and very expensive paintings. <laughs> and so, you know, you know he's the bad guy. <laughs> you know he's the bad guy. Again, Montalban, this is another guy who's like a real serious actor, and he plays this very straight, and he sells the hell out of it, and mm-hmm. it's awesome. <laughs> it's so good. And, <laughs> and he, is this the meeting with the other guy first? Or is it with? Uh, no, Nielsen? not with uh, not with Pap Schmier. That's later. But um, no, it's with Leslie Nielsen first. So he shows him all his fine art, and he, I mean it, and all his fun gadgets. My favorite being the samurai pen, which is <laughs> a gift from a gift from the Emperor of Japan, completely impervious to everything except water. <laughs> so, so immediately that pen goes into the water. Just, just immediately. FYI. Immediately, Leslie Nielsen fidgets with it and accidentally throws it in the fish tank. <laughs> yeah, and so he tries to fish it out while uh, Ludwig has his back to him. And so he keeps getting his hand into the tank. And every time <laughs> every time Ludwig turns around, he, he tears it out. But at the third, the, th- yeah, the comedy of threes, and the third one, he actually has the tropical fish like attached to his arm because it's attacking him at this point. <laughs> yes, it's biting his finger, yeah. He's fighting with it. He's like, he's swinging it around. It's just <laughs> so good, so over the top, so over the top. Shoves them both, shoves them both behind his back, and accidentally <laughs> impales the fish with the pen. Oh, it's so good. 
It's so and and eventually Ludwig is like, "Thank you for coming," and he goes to shake his hand, and his entire his entire sleeve is filled with water and it just spills everywhere. It's just so perfect. There's also every any this happens multiple times in the film, but every time someone greets Frank, he says completely the wrong thing, just the wrong thing that like fits in the conversation. So in this one, it's you know Ricardo Montalban walks up to him for the handshake, he's like Lieutenant, and Frank responds, "The feeling is mutual, sir," and it just like just all of that. Um, it's perfect. But it, it ends with Ludwig being like, "Well, you know, my assist, you know, I can get you the doc records. My assistant can help you." And, and he's like, uh, "Send." I don't even remember the name of Priscilla Presley's character. Jane. But, um, Was it Jane? Maybe. Okay. He's just like send send in Priscilla Presley, <laughs> and so uh, she comes in. Saxophone music starts playing, uh, and uh, yeah, and then they immediately you know fall for each other. Yeah, but not before she falls down the stairs. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. She has a really elegant uh, meet cute with him where she's walking down the stairs and then falls. Also, this was a time in the 80s when you matched your lipstick to your dress color. So her lipstick was orange. It was really great. It was really great. But eventually they do fall in love over the doc records. And uh, Ludwig is like, hey, you know, nothing can really get in the way of our business. And I feel like the police squad kind of is being a little bit nosy. So I think we should be nosy back. So if you want to hang out with him right. and get some information, Keep I would Keep an eye be, on him. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess. But he kind of manhandles her, so she really has no choice. And so she takes mm-hmm. on this new, uh, I guess, task. I, when I was a personal assistant for a rich person, I didn't have to do anything like <laughs> this. I had to, like, pick up dry cleaning. Okay. So I don't know. You didn't have to seduce a cop? No. <laughs> so... Uh, okay. Uh, the lab. We go to the lab at police squad headquarters <laughs> where get introduced to all the gadgets. Um, the Swiss Army shoe, which is a joke from uh, the James Bond film from Russia with Love where there was a knife in the shoe. The cufflinks, which shoot a single dart that can stun a person for five minutes, which, you know, Chekhov's cufflinks. And then... <laughs> My favorite gag, check this out under the microscope. And Frank looks down into the microscope and says, I don't see anything. And his boss, <laughs> Frank, says, no, use your open eye, Frank. <laughs> and, then, and then he focuses a little too hard because he puts the, he breaks the Yeah, he breaks the, the slide. He breaks the whole slide. It's really great. What a great, the, the eye gag is probably second favorite to the money gag for me. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we go back to Ludwig's office, and this is where we meet Pap Schmier, and we learn about the actual <laughs> plot. Yeah, so Sorry, Pap- the guy he's meeting with is named Mr. Pap Schmier. <laughs> to hear Multibon say Pap Schmier really seriously, it's just so beautiful. But yeah, so they have a plot to assassinate the queen, and he's like, well... How how do you how are you gonna find someone who could actually do this who could accomplish this and he's like well somebody who doesn't even know that they're an assassin hmm. mm-hmm. and his assistant comes in and asks if he wants tea and he presses a car alarm button and she says uh-huh. must kill Pap Schmier. <laughs> yeah, pulls it. <laughs> and she pulls a gun on him and she tries to shoot herself. It's just really horrifying. Yeah. 
So basically, you can. So as we learn, Ricardo Montalban has the ability to brainwash a person to unknowingly grab a gun and assassinate a specific target involuntarily, yes, th- and that's how they're going to kill the queen. Yes. Yes. Um, the science so, on that's a little iffy, but I'm going to believe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and to be fair, this is the only part of the movie that really requires any sort of suspension of disbelief. But once sure. you get past that, the rest of it is smooth sailing. <laughs> um, and we actually see this employed in the next scene because we're back at the hospital and one of the doctors was a plant and um, is now activated to kill Nordberg. Yes, so he tries to smother Nordberg with a pillow, but thankfully, Frank was already there, and so he runs in and he tries to save him, and the doctor... (laughs) Yes. The doctor throws the pillow One of my favorites. And Frank catches it and starts smothering himself. (laughs) Just, the pillow hits his face, and it's like you threw acid at him. He's just... <laughs> just brilliant <laughs> and then of course like they fight and as they fight they keep like bumping into the hospital bed and folding Nordberg in half <laughs> the doctor climbs out the window waves down a car and drives away so Drebin stops the next car and, and climbs in the back and he's like I'm with the police follow that car but it's a teenage driver no it's teenage. It's a driver's head car and this really sweet and adorable girl with her giant glasses and a very elderly man who is teaching her how to drive are like, okay, check your mirrors before we go. And Leslie Nielsen looks directly at the camera and it's just like, fuck. So, you know, they kind of follow him in fits and starts. And then the driver's like, normally you wouldn't be going 90 up a one-way street, but this is a special circumstance. And... You know, they they back up and a truck driver yells at her and the driver's head instructor is like, all right, Cheryl, now extend your arm and extend your middle finger at the truck driver. And she looks so proud when she does it. She does. She flipped off her first guy on the road. Uh, but yeah, they, they get shot at, their windshields, yeah. their win- windshield breaks, right. and then eventually the doctor... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they they and they will do this again in the movie. They triple tap his death. <laughs> <Where? laughs> it's so stupid. He runs into He drives. Which one <laughs> Which one was first? The gas truck is first. So he drives his car straight. He doesn't see it coming. Drives straight into a gasoline truck. Huge explosion. Uh, still driving the car out of it. Then drives into a military truck carrying a, a missile. Huge explosion. Still drives out of it. Drives into a fireworks store. <laughs> It's so funny, but we have to remember in the context of what just happened, a doctor who is seemingly innocent just died. So (laughs) they really have to figure out what's going on and how it's happening because innocent people are committing these really egregious crimes. (laughs) Yes. So the stakes are getting higher uh, and higher as we continue on. (laughs) 
stakes are getting higher. There's a scene where Frank is wandering the streets of Los Angeles, and you hear his voiceover. He's kind of muttering to himself, and like all these unanswered questions stripped past me like bubbles in a case of club soda. And it just as he as he keeps wandering, he's getting farther and farther away from the city. And then his last question is like, and also where the hell was I? And you see he's like miles away from downtown LA, and there's like tiger noises in the background. <laughs> Yes, but he eventually makes his way home. He's really exhausted, but his front door is ajar. Holy shit. Yes. He thinks somebody's in there, so he t- <laughs> He does a few little maneuvers doing flips and flops trying to figure out his like apartment. Full triple flips to clear every room. And then but- finally bursts into the kitchen with his gun drawn, door swings open, slams right back on his face. <laughs> And it is Priscilla Presley wearing his shirt and no pants and making a boiled <laughs> a, stew. A g- giant, giant boiled pot roast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, she's like, oh, you know, you, you offered to, to take me to dinner. I just figured I'd uh, make you dinner. And he says, let me slip into something more comfortable. And then he shows up at the dinner table in <laughs> the exact same suit. <laughs> maybe maybe even a more formal suit, arguably. <laughs> but um, So many good lines in the dinner where they're just, like, sharing their life stories. I, like, I, what, what was your, I, I wrote down three, but what was your favorite? Um, honestly, I didn't really, I don't really remember, but my favorite part was that when she just stood up and took her dress off. <laughs> Yes. It was just so unexpected. Yes. yes. Well, b- before that happens, he's like, of course, it's a violent world. If it wasn't a violent world, I'd be back in the circuit riding motocross. <laughs> and then talking about his wife, she's like, yeah, no, she was a musician. Or I think she was. She hung out with the Chicago Male Chorus and Symphony a lot and was on tour with them 300 days a year. Although I don't remember her ever playing an instrument or really being able to carry a tune. I bought her a harp for Christmas, and she asked me what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and he talked about his uh, another ex-wife dying in a tragic blimp accident, and she said, good year? And he's like, no, it was the worst. <laughs> she feels so bad for him, because as we know, when you tell, when a guy tells you a sad story, it's time to fuck. So she... It's time to it's time to get on the horn, folks. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so she zips. She has a zipper at the front of her dress. She zips it down and is naked. And then he just grips <laughs> his collar on his suit, and then his shirt completely comes just off. tears off. That's so good. And she says, "You know, just so you know, I practice safe sex." And he says, "So do I." And it cuts to both of them inside giant condoms. <laughs> Full body condom. Giant. With huge. with reservoir tip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's so stupid. I love it, though. So stupid. Anyways, we have a montage to Something Tells Me I'm Into Something Good, <laughs> which is very sweet. Um, and then uh, should we go to the stakeout? Yes, it's time. The stakeout. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you know, we get a good gag with (laughs) Frank and his boss just eating 
uh, I think Ed is, is is the character's name, but it's George Kennedy just eating um, just eating so many pistachios <laughs> while they're sitting in the car outside Ludwig's apartment. Yeah, and their mouths like, are just completely go in there. red. <laughs> it's like you got to go in there and get some evidence, but if we don't have a warrant, you're on thin ice. So it's like, don't worry, I'll find it. So he, he breaks into the apartment, and as you can imagine, things go south pretty quickly. He does find the evidence, but it's under a house of cards. So he has to make sure he has to make sure that that doesn't fall down. So he does the whole tablecloth trick on it, and he's like, "Yes!" And he finds out that there was cocaine. Yeah, Papshmir is going to pay. Oh, yes. yeah. There's there's cocaine, and and Papshmir is going to pay um, Ludwig upon news of the Queen's death. Is right. the other piece. Right, right. And so uh, Ludwig also has some security cameras and Frank presses a button that says piano for no reason. And then the piano starts playing. <laughs> just like a just like a real upbeat rag. Uh. <laughs> he quickly turns it off. But then it just everything yeah. goes to absolute shit. Because when he was reading the letter, he got his lighter out so that he could see what he was reading. As as somebody who just turned 35 years old, it's really hard to see in the dark right now. And so I understand he took the lighter out, but he accidentally set his evidence on fire, threw it in the trash can, tried to get that <laughs> out, but then the Got that stuck started. on his foot. <laughs> the curtain's Sorry, on the fire. Curtain's on fire. Garbage can stuck on his foot, trips, hits the piano button again. So now the piano's gonna be playing a fun little ragtime tune for the rest of the scene. Bumps into the shelf where all of the expensive vases we learned about start tipping and about to fall off. So he tries to catch each one, one by one. <laughs> and does a pretty good job, but then sees that the fire is about to reach the painting, so he screams and shoves the entire shelf off. <laughs> and then he grabs so the he painting can... off the wall, swings it around, is about to put it back on a desk, but there's a bust on the desk. So a huge so hole just... gets ripped into the painting. So just an absolute disaster. So climbs out the window, has to make his way along the ledge because he's like... 40 stories up there's a statue next to him with huge statue boobs that he grabs onto to kind of make his way across but then there's also a woman in the window who also has huge boobs and he's not (laughs) checking very closely so he accidentally gropes her she screams he falls off the ledge and he has to grab the next statue which is a guy with a huge statue dick So he's pulling himself up by the statue dick and he's screaming and also, you know, using the dick to use to get some leverage. And so the woman looks out the window again and it just looks like he's about to put the statue dick into his mouth. Trying to blow the statue in midair. And then eventually he makes it into her window, but he had already just snapped off the penis and was was just just got this huge (laughs) he was just waving it at her (laughs) and she's screaming it's really bad and you know there's no way out of it and we cut to him getting in just the deepest shit with the mayor just the the mayor just reaming him out yeah yeah he's he destroyed ludwig's entire office he sexually assaulted a woman with a concrete dick it just it's all bad and he's he's just off he's off the case he's done it's it's over yeah 
Um, so he's devastated by that, but um, he also gets a lead that um, there's something happening at the docks. Or not at the docks, at the stockyards, right? Yes. Um, at Ludwig's stockyards. So he goes down there, and there's a man there that says, I have a message from Ludwig. And he starts screaming and firing a gun at Frank, and Frank naturally says... <laughs> I can't hear you. You're firing a gun while you're talking. <laughs> but but he he has a shootout with this guy and it's it's crazy. So he knows that Ludwig is out for him. He knows that Ludwig is the big bag. Yes. Big bad, I mean. And the guy is shooting at him and they have a shootout. He falls into like a vat of acid or something. Yeah, it's a reference to um the the first uh, Tim Burton Batman movie, because oh. that's what happens to the Joker. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. But he gets out of it alive, which is not what Ludwig expected. So there is a, a banquet happening for Queen yes, Elizabeth, for queen. and he shows up. I have to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so he shows up again. Another great line here, where he, Priscilla Presley and Ricardo Montalban both are shocked to see him. Frank Drebin and Drebin just responds, "You're both right." Uh, and so <laughs> he's just so good. He's just so se- he plays he it so straight. At- it's perfect. So straight. Everything. So straight. It's beautiful. He never, apart from maybe looking at the camera with the driver's ed student, there is never a moment where he even lets on that this is a comedy movie. He no, just, not at all. He is just, I am going to deliver this like I am the most serious detective in the world, and it's perfect. He's, it's lovely. And, uh,. <laughs> Ludwig is obviously surprised to see it because he was supposed to be dead. And uh, the queen is about to make her giant entrance. <gasps> oh, my God. They think that the assassination is going to happen there at the gala. Right. Right. And so. So. The gift, so Ludwig is there because he's giving a gift to the queen of a of an antique revolutionary war musket, which, by the way, fucked up gift to give the queen of England. <laughs> we fucking but, won, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Frank gets um, dazed because he's standing right in front of the Herald trumpets. When the Queen comes on, so he's just in a haze. He sees the Queen standing there. He sees Ludwig holding a rifle, pointing at her. He screams, dives, tackles the Queen. They land on the main table at the front of the room and slide all the way down to the end of the table in front of the news cameras um, in the exact same position that Adam Sandler was on the cat lady in Mr. Deeds, which is he's li- Frank is lying on top of the queen with her legs wrapped around him. Yeah. And, and uh, so they get, the- <laughs> they get their picture taken. And later when they cut to the actual newspaper clippings, there yes. are there are multiple shots of them in multiple positions. Multiple with headlines like "City of Los Angeles disgraced forever" and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just so good. They just never miss an opportunity to just throw in a gag. To even just if cram it's in more. Yeah, it's so great. And but he is just even more in deep tr- shit. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't have even been at that event. No. So he's off the force. Period. Yep. Fired. Like, Bye. And, <laughs> And he says the motto of every police officer, just think, the next time I shoot someone, I could be arrested. (laughs) And so... (laughs) 
Uh, but uh, Priscilla Presley rushes into the office. Um, yeah, and that's a big she... deal because Frank had... Go ahead. No, no, please. Well, because Frank had broken up with her at the banquet because he thought she was in on, on the plot to, like, kill him. She thought she was in with Ludwig. I know, and she had to prove him wrong by telling him, no, this... I, I, Ludwig is the is the bad guy, and the, sas- yeah. the assassination is going to happen at the Angels game. And Leslie Nielsen says, well, I have to get there right away. So he has to drive from downtown L.A. to Anaheim in 20 minutes. That's not happening. <laughs> Which is impossible. And also, it's at Dodger Stadium. Everybody, I'm so confused. <laughs> um, but we get to the baseball game, which is the, the climactic scene. And honestly, like, look, <laughs> the greatest gag of all, of all time, I would argue, <laughs> is the national anthem gag. Yes, so there is a Just... very popular and famous uh, opera singer who's there to do the national anthem. And because he's off the force, Frank has to find a way around getting onto to get the onto field. get onto the field. So he hogties the opera singer and takes his place to sing the national anthem. But the problem is Frank doesn't know the words to the national anthem. And it's, you know, it's 2023. And I think about all of the political weight that the national anthem at a sports game has like taken on in mm-hmm. the past few years. Yes. Right. And just like you stand for the flag and kneel for the cross in this country. Oh, if you get him off the field, he shouldn't, maybe he should find another, like all of that. And to, to, to have to listen to all of that. And then to see something as beautiful as Leslie Nielsen, just, just butchering, <laughs> just, just beyond belief just the was it or the ramparts we watch da 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 just the rockets red glare bunch bunch of bombs in the air gave proof through the night that we still had a flag i loved it so much i watched it twice it's such a good scene. And, and you know, everybody recognizes that's not Enrico Palazzo. And so <laughs> other cops are coming onto the field to try and arrest him, except they all still have to stand at attention because it's the national anthem. Yeah, so, so they're, they're like, inching sideways. They're, 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 like, inching sideways with their hand over their heart. <laughs> But eventually Anyways. he finishes uh, the national anthem, does get away, and then yes. takes the place of the home plate umpire, which is another one of my favorite gags because he yes. starts making just bullshit calls that the crowd loves. Yeah. The crowd loves it. Just going it's... all all out with over-the-top strike calls, dancing, like doing moonwalks, <laughs> like... But, we get an ama- but, oh sorry no no Go please ahead. we get an amazing montage to Randy Newman's I love LA in this scene <laughs> there's so many good gags at the ball game they show the jumbotron shows some of the most outrageous moments in baseball history and one of them <laughs> is an outfielder getting mauled by a tiger what <laughs> <laughs> is, is an outfielder that when they jump up to catch the ball his head his falls head. off. <laughs> 
his head falls off. Um, also, the queen throws out the first pitch, and it, like, does a full spiral before landing in the catcher's mitt, and the announcer goes, how about that queen, ladies and gentlemen? Just... It's really fun. It's just, it, this is, like, what movies, like, aren't anymore, this is which what... is just a good time. Every movie should be this. Yes. I'm so fucking sick of King of Staten Island ass. <laughs> I have to show 75 minutes of depression before we get a plot point. Because that's just how life is, man. I don't want life. I want... <laughs> life sucks. I want Frank Drabin <laughs> singing the national anthem. <laughs> It's perfect. It's so good. Uh, eventually, though, what happens is they find out that at the third out of the inning, that's when Ludwig is going to press the button. Which, if everybody yeah, knows this, stretch, yes. why, why didn't they just stop him from there? <laughs> I don't. Anyway, so he's trying really hard to make sure that they don't get that third out to get into the seventh inning stretch. So he's calling the wrong calls, and call. now the crowd is completely turning on him. And it it sounds like uh, like an Angel Hernandez game. Uh, people <laughs> who are fans of the MLB know that that's one of the worst umpires in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he's making all these bad calls. The players are getting pissed off. And eventually he get <laughs> doesn't he also get hit in the head with the bat at some point? Yes, he, that's early on. Yes, the yes. first, uh, the first at bat, he's too close and he gets whacked in the <laughs> face when the batter puts his bat up. Um, so there's that, and then you know there's like a, uh, a rundown between two of the plates, and then Leslie Nielsen like is doing everything he can to sabotage this game. He's throwing extra baseballs in the air. <laughs> he's uh, he's actually throwing back and forth with the first baseman and the other umps start screaming at him, and eventually a third out gets called, and Leslie Nielsen knows the assassin's going to come, so he pulls out his gun, and all the umps immediately are like, oh, okay, it's fine, he was safe, you're right. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> but eventually they see it as one of the outfielders that he has a gun. Nobody is reacting to the outfielder having a gun. With a he... gun, yeah. Reggie Jackson, by the way, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, Who he's... would also... Also cameo as himself in a different Zucker Abrams Zucker film, very underrated film called Basketball, which uh, was from like 2000, and yeah. it starred Trey Parker and Matt Stone. It's it's very fun. They're not deadpan, obviously, but it's still a very funny movie. Ernest Borgnine is in it. Oh. It's, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So he's making his way like a robot, very slowly, all the way yes. to. Uh, the queen and so leslie nielsen tackles him which causes both bullpens to come out which is really funny because there is a very famous angels and mariners brawl that happened uh yes. like a few years ago so <laughs> this is the, the and, foreshadowing of that for sure everyone was and, kick, and again ass. i can't yeah they're like bringing in chairs and stuff i can't emphasize this enough these were the real Mariners and Angels in the film. <laughs> it's really amazing. Eventually, uh, he come the the guy with the gun comes out of the crowd while one of the players was biting another foot, and then 
Leslie Nielsen is like, no. And the guy gets really, really close. I think by that time, there were enough people to see that guy with a gun getting really close to the With queen. a gun. Yeah. But, I mean, Enough this is... cops could have seen it to do something, <laughs> but it, it's movie magic. It's, it's movie, movie magic. It's movie magic. And so he's about to shoot at the queen, but Leslie Nielsen saves the day, I mean. Yeah. Chekhov's cufflinks. Mm-hmm. Pulls out the cufflink and he fires. Now, he misses Reggie Jackson, but <laughs> he does hit... He does hit a, uh, I hate saying this, but a fat lady up in the upper deck who then falls off from the upper deck and pins Reggie Jackson to the ground, knocking him out of his hypnotic trance. And then in an, uh, you know, and then the, the mayor says, that umpire saved the queen's life. And, you know, George Kennedy's like, that's no umpire, ma'am. And Leslie Nielsen takes off the umpire mask and in an unbelievable callback guy in the crowd says hey it's enrico palazzo (laughs) (laughs) no guy it's frank drevin but while all of this is happening ludwig is kidnapping fucking elvis's daughter (laughs) yeah priscilla presley's like he pulls out a gun he takes her up uh, in the stands, they, they clearly gave him a rag doll to carry up in the stands. He's just whipping her body back and forth. Uh, and then, you know, comes comes to the showdown with uh, Drevin. And, you know, he's got Priscilla Presley at gunpoint. Ricardo Montalban. Again, all of this delivered perfectly seriously. Ricardo Montalban is like, you've ruined my life, Drevin. Now I'm going to ruin yours. And Frank Drevin said, killing her won't do anything. Uh, won't won't stop me, Ludwig. And Ludwig says, I know, I'm going to kill you. And he points the gun at him. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's this, like, sudden rush for Priscilla Presley. We think that she's going to die, but no. <laughs> Ludwig. <laughs> she... Frank gets another cufflink off, shoots Ludwig in the net, neck with a dart, and a woman passing by says, you killed him. And Leslie Nielsen says, no, he's just stunned. He'll be okay in a few seconds. Yes, but... Uh... And then what happens, Nadia? <laughs> well, what happens is uh, Ludwig actually falls off the side of the stadium and kaplunk, he lands, he is presumably dead, but not until a bus runs him over uh, one of those cement things that is like a squishy... The steamroller. The steamroller comes Yeah, the steamroller hits him. And then a marching band uh, walks all over The him. USC Spirit of Troy marching band. Yeah, but... <laughs> playing here, Louie Louie. Here's the thing. You think it's over, but it's not because the marching band, one of them accidentally hits the little car thing that signals that someone needs to be assassinated. And unfortunately, the closest person that is wearing a watch is Lisa Marie Presley. And so she points... Pris- Priscilla Presley. Oh, yeah, that's her mom. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she points the gun at Frank, and we're like, oh, no, I got real stressed I out. I must kill Frank Drebin. I must kill Frank Drebin. And so Frank only has one tool left to stop her, which is, of course, the power of love. <laughs> it's the most powerful like every- thing, even in a silly movie, Tony. Doesn't that strike well- you as coincidental? Ever since I've met you, Jane, I've noticed things that I never noticed before. Birds chirping. The sky seems bluer. Stoplights. 
And so just, you know, gags like that. And then, he, and this is all being broadcast on the Jumbotron also. Of <laughs> Pulls out an engagement ring. And he's like, it's an engagement ring. I was going to give it to you earlier, but. And then cuts to him saying this on the Jumbotron. I wanted to wait until we were alone. <laughs> <laughs> and the power of love does cut through the hypnosis. And she puts the gun down and they kiss and it's lovely. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's beautiful. They save the day. And then they're like, look who's here to see you, Frank. And it's OJ Simpson in a wheelchair. <laughs> Nor- <laughs> such a, such a sentence to say now. <clears throat> Nordberg. Nordberg's so happy to see him. He's going to be back on the force in a few days. Frank pats him on the back and inadvertently sends him down all the stairs of the stadium <laughs> in his wheelchair. Clunk, 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 clunk. Hits the front, rockets up into the sky, <laughs> does a triple flip. As Priscilla Presley is saying, everyone should have a friend like you. Credits. <laughs> what a delightful movie. Incredible movie. I know, like, we talked about Mr. Deeds and, like, Mr. Deeds, I really like, but it's like a sentimental favorite. Like, I understand if there are people who don't like Mr. Deeds. Yes. Um, if you don't like this movie, um, you're wrong. <laughs> like, there's something wrong with you. This movie's amazing. It's good. The, the I think there is a sense of emotion. There is a sense of emotion in this movie, but it's yes. they only touch it for like a second. For like a Mr. Deeds... Yes. They, they really like sit in the emotion for a really long time and you you know you gotta think and all you don't think in this movie yeah. it's just no st- no stupid bit after stupid bit but in the end the good guy does win so it is very satisfying yes yes absolutely um <clears throat> so I mean just an incredible movie I loved it it was a huge success obviously they made two sequels to it. Uh, which brings us to uh, one of our favorite segments on the show, where we look at someone who is in the movie and their post-movie career to see what they did afterwards in a segment we call Good For Them. Mm-hmm. And today's mm-hmm. Good For Them is on O.J. Simpson. <laughs> so... <laughs> so... <laughs> so O.J. was in all three Naked Gun movies uh, as Nordberg. Actually, I think this was kind of his smallest role because he was, like, in a coma for, for most... His character was in a coma for most of the movie. He did have some brief legal troubles in 1994, which I'm not going to go too into right now. Um, he's had some other legal troubles since. Uh, for example, in 2002, he was arrested in Florida for boat speeding through a manatee protection zone. Um, he ended up getting fined. Uh, in 2004, he was brought back into court for stealing cable, of all things. Wow. Uh, he was pirating, yeah, pirating the broadcast signals for DirecTV. Uh, but I don't really want to talk about OJ's legal troubles. I don't know if anyone's looked into those before. Maybe someone should. <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about the most important part of OJ Simpson's legacy, which was, of course, and real OJ heads know where I'm going with this, Juiced, the 2006 hidden camera prank TV show hosted by O.J. Simpson. What? Which is real. Yes. <laughs> um, what channel? It was, uh, this was, I believe, developed for HBO. Oh. It was, it was immortalized in a column for Vice and then later an episode of NPR's This American Life. Oh my God. Uh, but this was a show. It did not run very long. <laughs> this was a show. 
<laughs> where Simpson would play. It was like punked, basically. It was like punked um, with O.J. Okay. Simpson instead of Ashton Kutcher. Simpson would play a prank on everyday people while secretly filming them. And at the end of each prank, he would shout, you've been juiced or you just got juiced because of course his nickname is juice and to get juiced means to get pranked by oj simpson i guess so (laughs) to talk about some of the pranks here uh and what they were uh (laughs) there's there's uh you know there's a uh there's a there's a prank where he's like a realtor taking a couple through a home, but then a bunch of topless ladies run through the home. So that's <laughs> that's a prank. And okay. then he's like, "You just got juiced." Uh, there's a sketch in which, uh, through the magic of makeup, he's transformed into an old white man whose dying wish is to call a game of bingo. Uh, you just got juiced. Uh, that's and it. Then, that's the whole thing. Uh, yeah, okay. and then in one, and I imagine he looks like the um, the Tim Robinson in all the makeup. <laughs> with the, I don't want to be alive anymore. <laughs> Just the, <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> and it, most most famous prank from this series, uh, in one episode, Simpson is at a used car lot in Las Vegas where he attempts to sell a white Ford Bronco. And there's a bullet hole uh, on the front of the car, which is circled with his autograph, and he pitches it to a prospective buyer by saying, if they ever get into some trouble and have to get away, it has escapability. Uh, You've just been, just got juiced. Uh, Each episode opened with topless strippers dancing around Simpson dressed as a pimp who sings an original rap song, uh, which includes the lyrics, don't you know there's no stopping the juice? When I'm on the floor, I'm like a lion on the loose. Better shoot me with a tranquilizer dart. Don't be stupid. I'm not a Simpson named Bart. Uh, and so... Uh, Kevin... F- I did like that. Kevin F- Kevin Fallon at the Daily Beast has a piece on this titled, Remember when O.J. Simpson had a prank show called Juiced? Uh, saying, this is punked featuring O.J. Simpson almost 10 years after he set fire to the zeitgeist with his murder trial. Uh, this is the most notorious man in America going undercover at a fast food restaurant and pretending to mess up people's orders and then cheekily chirping, you've been juiced. Uh, should you think that this peak moment in culture was above capitalizing on Simpson's reputation as a murderer, you needn't fear. The poster says, no one is safe because the juice is loose. Dot, 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 again. Uh, on the... On the first day of production, on the first day of production, uh, OJ's sidekick Leon Harmon was sternly warned by his producer. You know, Harmon, we really can't mention the murders. Uh, and then through it all, uh, OJ tells people after they've been juiced that he's OJ. He's the guy from movies like Naked Gun or from the football field. Yeah, OJ, <laughs> that's what they know you from. <laughs> So, O.J. Simpson, for still managing to get a TV show in there, good for you. Wow. I had no idea, and I'm <laughs> kind of depresses me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's definitely a stain on our culture. Do our friends at Common Sense Media have anything to say about this movie? They sure do. Sorry, I was about to sneeze. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no problem. It's really dusty in here. Okay. 
They sure do, Tony. And uh, not a lot of people had anything bad to say necessarily. They did point out very straightforwardly that there are a lot of uh, sexual innuendos and yeah. unnecessary, but, you know, necessary violence. But uh, there was one review from a user named Cranky Librarian that I really enjoyed and they say <laughs> that this movie is tasteless yet oddly amusing. You might <laughs> you might be able to get away with showing these <laughs> naughty gag fests to your middle schooler, but the endless double entendres and visual sex gags would give most parents pause. Frankly, for me, it was the presence of OJ Simpson. Pun, good pun. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, for me, it was the presence of OJ Simpson as a lovable as a lovable goof that was the most upsetting. Some terrific I mean, sight gags and spoofs of older movies, but mostly kids won't get those references, which it, that's also fair. Look, <laughs> it is upsetting. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't pretend that it's not uncomfortable seeing O.J. Simpson not just acting in a movie, but acting in, like, such a goofy comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems like a really fun guy. Right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. uh, so you know, it's it's upsetting. Um, but I'm gonna say, movie's still worth it. I mean, look, look. Do I think it's worth having O.J. Simpson in a film if I get the national anthem gag in there? Yeah. Y- yeah, I think I, do, I think I do. Also, to be fair, he's <laughs> barely in it. He's barely in it, and this is a pre-murder OJ, so, you know. Is this the same that argument that one would say about, like, J.K. Rowling? You can listen to, like, the Jackson 5, like, yeah. before. Or, like, J.K. Rowling, like, uh, the first uh, five movies, because I think by then the, all the books were out, and then she was like, Dumbledore's gay now. So, like, before that. <laughs> before that. Um, I don't know about that. That one's tough, man. I gotta, I gotta think on that one a little more. Wait, no, it's t- it mean, wouldn't it's be because tough. we still had a character named Cho Chang. We had a character named Cho Chang, and we still had my favorite. I'm sorry to go back on J.K. Rowling, but we always do this. Um, the, the in book six, when uh Dumbledore, you know, uh, uh Voldemort comes to apply for the defense against the dark art job dark dark arts job in a flashback maybe you remember this yes this is when Dumbledore and Harry are looking through the pensive most of book six is Dumbledore explaining things yes and so uh Dumbledore keeps calling him Tom even though Tom goes by Voldemort now and he explains to Harry how important it is to call him by his old <gasps> name because that shows that Dumbledore still has power over him and I'm like no. come on man No, you're right. <laughs> it's tough, though, man. It's Ugh, tough. It's a tough you know, thing. Sometimes, it, can I t- if I tell you something, do you promise to not judge me? Yeah, of course. Sometimes I still listen to Brand New. I understand because so do I. Okay, good. Okay, that's a huge relief. <laughs> yeah, because it, it comes on on my emo playlist and it's nine hours long. So, like, it'll it's going to come up and then I'm like... And I enjoy it for, like, a second, and then I'm like, ugh, and then I change it. But, like, okay. I couldn't be fucked to take it off the playlist. It's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, 
The Naked Gun is a masterpiece, <laughs> folks. I mean, go out and see it. Uh, I say go out and see it like it's in theaters. Just, just watch. It's it going to pick up your whole day. It's it delightful. Should Airplane's be in great theaters. too, obviously. Yeah, it should. You know, it should. They should have more movies that people just laugh out loud at. Just that we know yeah. are proven winners. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I I'm very happy that we watched it for the pod. When I told my friend Mike that we were watching it, he's like, "Wait, I thought your podcast was where you talk about comedy that aged poorly. This is a perfect movie." I'm like, "No, no, you forgot that OJ like, Simpson's in this." <laughs> <laughs> if if, if OJ's mean, like, the that... only thing, that's a pretty perfect movie. Yeah, that and it, it really is like hard. The thing about it. The queen being dead is more just funny yeah. than anything else. But <laughs> the, the uh, but no, it, it is like that because that's the response I get too when I tell people like, oh yeah, we're doing Naked Gun. They're like, Naked Gun's great. I'm like, yeah, but OJ Simpson's in it. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but so. I, you know, of all of the movies that we've watched that we've said were great, which are actually quite a lot of them, which is surprising. Yeah, we actually. Yeah, surprise. We well, after bringing down the house, we're like, we should make an effort to watch fewer movies we're going to out and out hate. Yes, exactly. Uh but yeah, we do people are really expecting our podcast to be where we like shit on a bunch of movies. That's really not our intention and what we do. Sometimes the movie is just bad and we it warrants us to shit on it. But for the most part we wanna see things that aged poorly but are still good. And more often than not, it leans kind of more 50-50. Like, it was still really good, is it, but it wasn't – it doesn't hold up. Is it lamenting comedy that is aged very poorly? No. No. It's celebrating comedy that is it's aged very poorly. Yes, but with this movie – just to wrap up my thought. With this movie, it's like oh. pretty much 99% of it still holds up, which – is probably the yeah, highest I mean, percentage of most of the movies we've ever watched. Yeah, I mean, the nature of the comedy actually, it's not really tied to a particular era. There's probably going to be, I mean, even even the movie being about cops, which we have struggled with with, say, Zootopia, <laughs> the, message is, the message is, this is a cop and he's dumb, which I think is, you know... Not too hard to get on board with nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he does so, acknowledge that there is corruption within, co like, cop culture. Yes. So that was good. Yes. So, so like, I mean, it, it, the nature of the comedy here really does endure a lot longer than even, like, something like Blazing Saddles, which is a similar type of comedy, except... There's so much more that's tied to you have to know the specific genre of Western. Yes. Um, and a lot of the references were really specific. Right. Um, and this, you know, cop movies, I think, are so just fucking broad that and they've been around forever that um, it's a lot easier to, to connect all the dots. So I just, I, a masterpiece, uh, just yes. outstanding. And Love just it. silly. Love getting to talk Silly's about it good. with you. Me too. It was so yes. fun. I realized that we we don't really get to watch a lot of silly comedies that are rooted in uh, not kindness because I wouldn't say it's kind of, it's just like good. Like everyone mm -hmm. is very well-meaning. Even the bad guys for the most part are pretty well-meaning and it just, <laughs> it you really pull it off. Everyone's likable. Yeah. Yeah. We did so it. We love it. Uh, folks, 
next week we do have a silly one for you uh but in the meantime <laughs> please uh check us out on social media probably should on facebook instagram and twitter uh please support the show with the ko-fi link in the show notes um and uh we love you we will see you next week bye sister i'm not much a poet but a criminal never had a chance love it or leave it you can't understand pretty face that you do so carry on and on and on i wouldn't front the scene if you paid me just the way the doctors made me on and on and on and on love is the breath the rest on your coffin door what's life like bleeding on the floor the floor the floor you'll never make me leave i'll wear this on my sleeves give me a reason to believe so give me all your poison give me all your pills give me all your hopeless hearts and make me ill you're running after something that you'll never kill if this is what you want then fire at will preach all you want but who's gonna save me keep a gun on the book 